You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopoly through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. My friends, my friends, picture this. Post-GFC. Goldman Sachs, as they were harangued around the world as this giant squid tightening its tentacles around the necks of democratic principles. Guess what happened in Australia? Michael West has uncovered on Twitter that uh, Goldman Sachs was awarded a cleaning contract for guess how much? For just one month, they were paid $104,000. And who was the client? ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investment Commission. Can you believe that? Talk about revolving doors. Talk about great pressures on our democratic functions. And here they are being paid to clean the company who supposedly regulates the financial sector. Well, building on last week's uh, interview with Denise Braley, that is an absolute shocker to hear that one as the Banking Royal Commission continues uh, with uh, very tight time frames. We hope they uncover some uh, serious uh, uh, connections between the fire sector, finance, insurance and real estate and the democratic functions of government because it gets worse. ASIC uh, not only paid Goldman Sachs $104,000 back in 2010 for a month's worth of cleaning their offices, but guess who their new CEO is? Former Goldman Sachs banker James Shipton. It's like a slow-motion train wreck we're watching, isn't it, ladies and gents, as we consider these pressures on society on the solid citizens of this world and going back to last week with Denise Braley's big revelation that uh, not even retirees who own their own home are safe from this incredible power that the banking finance and real estate sectors have over the community Well, that's our job here on The Renegade Economist, to shine the lights on these monopolists, on the wealthiest people in society and how they are engaging in what is known as rent-seeking, changing the laws of government to ensure they have access to monopoly rents. And it reminds me back to that time I... uh, zipped into Melbourne University, ranked in the top 25 economics courses in the world I see this week and uh, to see that one of the new conference rooms there had had some sort of title like uh, Building Market Barriers. And that's what you learn in your PhD as uh, Joseph Stiglitz taught us in The Price of Inequality is you go and do your MBA, sorry, your MBA, and you learn how to erect barriers around your business so you can fend off competition so that you can push up your pricing structures so that it is beyond the normal rate of return. That then is known as economic rents, as uh, supernormal profits, 
and should be taxed away. Instead of uh, workers' wages being penalised, those sort of monopoly rents are what we talk about here on The Renegade Economist. Well, there's a new buzzword that I've been watching over the last six months or so, and it's something that ties together a number of Renegade Economist's uh, issues that we've covered over the years, and uh, it's the build-to-rent revolution. It's, uh, it's a massive one, and uh, build-to-rent is simply where apartments are built and held by one major investor as opposed to being sold off to many private investors. And that's what we're seeing, this further consolidation of power as the big boys decide, look, uh, these millennials, they're a different generation. They don't want to have families. They don't want to buy housing. They're going to be long-term renters, so let's set things up so that can eventuate. Now, if you're a millennial out there, do you take that sitting down? Do you accept that you don't want a family, you don't want a house, or is it dictated by the market conditions we live under, where it takes some 13 years of an average wage to pay off an average home? It's ridiculous how expensive housing prices have become and it seems like the only solution we have these days is to rely on the bank of mum and dad to get our foot in the door because who knows only those insiders uh, with plush jobs can afford to save up 80 odd thousand dollars for a deposit for a home when we look at the madness we have at the moment of the bank of mum and dad lending money to their kids so their kids can afford mum and dad's house prices that vicious circle, I'm afraid, will continue for as long as we allow it to. So whilst the bank of mum and dad has become a useful option for many people, I must warn you, do not buy now. I'm going to start putting that headline out there again. It's, I've backed off on it over the last few years as this bubble has continued. And now we're at stratospheric heights and uh, it seems like momentum is changing. Sydney property prices are down 2.1% over the last month and uh, the thing that uh, you should be watching is how many properties are being put up for auction. And in Melbourne in February there was uh, some 13%, I think it was 12.8% jump in listings of properties for sale as everyone tries to sell out to the greater fool not to be left with the, the, the hot potato as the market unfolds. And uh, in Sydney, it was something like 11.5% higher number of properties on the market than this time last year. More and more people are recognising that without foreign investors uh, uh, so much in the market these days that uh, prices are going to correct. The challenge for us, though, is will the correction in property prices be enough to return us to the long-term fundamentals, the long-term affordability requirements when, uh, yeah, the majority of people are paying less than 30% of household income on somewhere to live, which uh, very subtly papers over the fact that now we have two income earners paying for property with all the technology, all the advantages around the world, you'd think that... Uh, that would be um, possible with just one income earner. But still, 
land price takes all the gains. No matter what we do, whether we plant trees in uh, Royal Park where I'm sitting right now, we develop a new app, we have impact investors saying they're doing good things because more people are employed, well, all those extra wages lead to higher land prices and it is the landowners who take all the gains dare I repeat this so back to the build to rent revolution and these poor millennials who, you know this strange generation of millennials who just don't want to buy a house or have a family so these gushing articles have been all about the press over the last six months and uh, who better to listen to than someone called Princess Ventura director of Urbis where she says home ownership isn't likely to be the norm in the future. Currently, 31% of households in Australia rent, of whom nearly 30% are millennials. 24% baby boomers, 21% Gen X, 20% Gen Z, the under 16s. Richard Bryce, Director of Real Estate Advisory Services at Ernst & Young, he says, the millennials they are very different in their wants and needs they want to be near services and jobs and entertainment facilities and they are looking for on-site flexibility and having places to work within their building here's another interesting uh, name tyrone hodge from jll regional says developers they need to receive incentives to forego the quick and easy profits of build-to-sell apartments in favour of the longer-term rewards of build-to-rent with quality long leases and low vacancy rates. The key is we've got to make the costs go down. You can't do anything about construction costs, but you can do something about getting the land price or taxes down. Listeners will be uh, imagining my alarm bells going off regarding that. Are the development lobby using, basically leapfrogging off this multi-generational property bubble and like the GFC where the whole narrative was turned around to say, look, it was not the banking industry's fault, it was poor brown people's fault for taking out these risky loans. They should have known better. Well, here was was sort of hearing that millennials are to blame for not wanting to buy these homes at these ridiculously high prices. So let's get government to remove the taxes off the land so supposedly we can buy it more cheaply. But what they're saying is so that uh, we can lease these properties out without having to pay any land tax as they go up in value over the years to come. And from that, we'll make a a return on investment that's similar to if we bought the land, got the golden pen tick for rezoning, and then sold them off to individual investors who are uh, encouraged to spend more and more money on real estate because they get these easy loans from the banking sector. They get the money from uh, international sources, or there are these amazing new developments where you can just buy a share of an apartment all these new micro-funding strategies for people to get in on the real estate game. Isn't it good? Well, picture this world where vacancy measures 
give a free pass to lazy landlords holding to flip rather than rent a property. They're not included, you know that by now. The real estate sector who got off the global financial crisis with little to no critique. A media dominated by fire sector insiders giving expert advice on keeping the bubble going. And a government dominated by revolving doors what hope do we have well i'm really worried about this build to rent thing because i'm looking two or three stages down the road and really uh, it's all about opening up this commodification of institutional investors into real estate so that we have these long-term leases this age of neo-serfdom and uh, this will all be funded by rental backed mortgage securities I'm going to try and run through a couple of recent reports uh, that are just horrific here on the Renegade Economist. Bear with us on the beloved 3CR airwaves as I take a few deep breaths. So with the Nightingale uh, developers, Jeremy McLeod, a, uh, a darling of the housing development community, they've just received $300 million in impact investment from uh, a number of uh, superannuation companies and uh, NAB. They have 5,200 people on their waiting list, 13 projects on the go in Melbourne, one in Fremantle. And I asked this question, are shared laundries, rooftop gardens, no car parks, environmental credentials enough to get us through this housing crisis. Sure, they've got resale caps on all properties sold after purchase. I think those resale caps last for some 15 to 20 years and you're only allowed to make a 15% return, which is a step in the right direction, but still a 15% return is pretty impressive. But uh, despite all of these um, plaudits from people like Princess Ventura, Aussie developer Joe Russell thinks that uh, property is just too expensive in Australia to make this work. So with this looming correction in the housing market that uh, we're predicting for late 2019 through 2020, probably going to kick in the first quarter of 2020, uh, will that be the time that uh, large amounts of land is snapped up at bargain prices by these giant institutional investors? There's a group called Greystar I haven't heard of uh, coming out of Wall Street. So back to this Wall Street story. Wall Street landlords turn American dream into a nightmare, says the Americans for Financial Reform. And they start off their paper really quite a good paper here uh, with the definition of security as a noun the state of being free from danger or threat that's what security means but it also means a tradable financial asset don't you love these word games how things twist around on us 
Well, here's some stats for you. The number of single-family rentals, which is typically your quarter-acre block in American speak, has grown from 10.5 million units in 05 to 17.5 million in 2015. That's a 67% increase. By the end of 2016, HUD, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had auctioned over 104,000 delinquent mortgages at hugely discounted prices where over 95% of them were sold to Wall Street. Now, the issue with this financialization of housing and what worries me about build-to-rent leading to these institutional investors is that they are accountable to investors to increase their profits and that's compounded by uh, bond rating agencies who threaten to downgrade securitization deals if landlords fail to set competitive rents and minimize loss through speedy evictions and aggressive fee collection. So of course these Wall Street landlords have their own political lobbying force a new group set up in 2014 called the National Rental Home Council. So watch out for that group. But do they even need that when Blackstone CEO Stephen Schwartzman, who was the former chair of President uh, Trump's Economic Advisory Council, is still uh, one of Trump's inner circle of advisors, and uh, Colony Housing, who's the other big group that basically merged with uh, Blackstone's invitation homes Uh, well the founder there is called thomas barrack who is the single largest individual donor to trump's campaign and chaired his inauguration committee so talk about the inside running Uh, the real estate sector has uh, things stitched up under uh, the imperial presidency of donald trump so uh, they're worried about class actions that might be brought against them. So that's why they need tax deductibility status for the National Rental Home Council. Mm. So what about these evictions? Well, they are happening at astonishingly higher rates than other single-family landlords. In Atlanta, nearly one-third of all Starwood Waypoint tenants received eviction notices in 2015. Rent increases follow the same trend, with tenants facing as much as $1,000 a month increases. And these are companies that are, you know, Blackstone uh, back in 2012-ish sort of periods were spending up to $150 million a week snapping up housing. So uh, talk about disaster capitalism. That's what could be coming up when the next economic correction hits Australia or hits your country. And of course, uh, all this new terminology has come up with these uh, mega housing conglomerates buying up our neighbourhoods, and uh, they basically use big data. So anytime we uh, enter into a real estate website looking for certain properties, that gets logged, thrown into an algorithm, and our age, our basic demographic details, our our um, rental search query and price point uh, location all of that's tied into an algorithm and feeds in to tell them where the hotspots are that people want to uh, live now that's what uh, one group calls strike zones where prospective home buyers often find it impossible to compete with cash carrying wall street investors
So imagine dealing with a Wall Street company. I've talked about past reports on this American trend that's spread through Europe where in America they don't take much. It seems like a lot of rental payments have to be done in person. So you can't just automatically pay someone. You've got to visit the office and often they're right over the other side of town and quite frustrating to get to. So uh, imagine if you can't get there, you get your eviction notice the headaches just continue so you're not dealing with real people anymore you're dealing with a corporation and uh, in order to maximize rental revenues companies have pursued aggressive eviction policies particularly headline listeners particularly where vacancy rates are low my oh my all, all the tricks in the formula are exposed. I imagine you, you've pretty well got these tricks down now after some 10 plus years of talking about these issues. Uh, yeah, record low vacancy rates make people believe there's nowhere else to live despite what they're walking past each and every day uh, without noticing uh, all these vacant properties around them. These blinkers have been so effectively placed on our own ability to see what's happening in our neighborhood economics no longer represents reality it's more a diversion play for monopolists to hide what's really going on in our own neighborhoods in our own wallets so uh, this financialization uh, of real estate has its ties back to Australia with real estate investment trusts, which were an Australian development, which I think started in the early 80s. And now all of the large institu institutionalized companies uh, we're talking about with these rental back mortgage securities uh, are REITs. And uh, this is something that's led to the financialization of the multifamily market in the 90s. That's apartments. Um, this is now spread into the quarter acre block, the single family home rentals. And uh, yeah, it's easy to forget, but just 25 years ago, the entire market for apartment REITs was only about $100 million. Today, the sector exceeds $100 billion, said Gary Beasley, former CEO of Starwood Waypoint. And that was back in 2012. So when you think uh, whew, numbers are up 67% in a decade, uh, yeah, it's going to be way higher there. So on the investor side of thing, uh, one of the new companies that has come out of the woodwork regarding this new property data gold mine as everyone tries to dream up these algorithms to find the magic formula for which community to uh, enact your strike zone upon uh, one of these companies is called atom data solutions curator of the nation's premier property database today released its first quarter 2018 single-family rental market report which ranks the best US markets for buying single-family rental properties in 2018 so they look through 449 US counties um, only looking at those with at least 100,000 people and uh, lo and behold the average annual gross rental yield was 8.9% for 2018, down from 92 in 2017. Uh, but 
one thing that uh, got me going was the biggest increase in market share over the past year has come among investors owning six to ten single-family rentals followed by those owning between 11 and 100 rentals wow when you think I think it's something like only 14% of Australian property investors own more than three properties. It's that sort of uh, wealth inequality is going to result as greater financialization of our housing becomes possible. Now, according to this report, counties with the highest potential annual gross rental yields for 2018 were Baltimore City, Maryland, 28.6%. Bibb County, Georgia, 21.8%. Montgomery County, Alabama, 21.7%. Wayne County, Michigan, in the Detroit metro area, 21.7%. Clayton County, Georgia, in the Atlanta metro area, 20.3%. So uh, they're basically saying, forgive me if I'm mucking up some of these cities, but I, they, I get a feeling that... Uh, it's the Rust Belt cities where the big institutional investors haven't yet ventured that uh, the next frontier of uh, single-family rental investors is going to descend upon. So uh, no city is safe, no community is safe when uh, housing is commodified and there are just so many easy profits to make in this area. Now look, rents were rising faster than wages in 84% of markets studied by this uh, Adam group. So uh, that's just off the Richter scale. And then uh, to think of just how easy it's become, nearly every aspect of owning an investment property has become compartmentalized and specialized by some sort of agency. And there's Roofstock, who's the online marketplace is a dream come true for property investors. And uh, I've got all sorts of breathtaking quotes there from people uh, talking about how easy it made uh, to buy a single family rental. Um, yeah, so basically they, they have a, a giant search engine on this website. You plug in your geographic markets, you're looking across your price points and uh, they spit out all the options for you. So uh, alongside of um, specialists in single-family rentals, there are also uh, uh, property maintenance companies you, you know about, but now even down the detail of property styling companies that can come in and style your property just before you're, you're up for auction, don't have to touch foot on the property, someone else will go in and style it, take the photo, send it to you, and bang, it's all done uh, with a few clicks. Don't have to uh, set foot in the community. Don't have to see the sort of rampant change that uh, this world of gentrification is being uh, put through as uh, property investors see greater and greater gains racking up rents and from that communities not being able to afford to live there. So uh, Next, they roll in a Banksy, they roll in some sort of cafe, uh, Funkster Cafe set up and make it hip to move into this community and bang, the formula continues. All right, well, there is another insight into uh, this commodification of housing, this slow motion train wreck with the build to rent revolution, the Trojan horse for greater financialization of housing in Australia. We have some uh, pretty senior uh, think tanks 
talking about dismantling the agglomeration of land taxes at the top end uh, in Australia if you own more than uh, 2.5 million dollars worth of property you go into the top tax bracket and that's what the property lobby wants to get rid of so they can provide this housing to the Millennials but consider the point last time I raised under this tree expecting developers to reduce prices as the market corrects itself is just a pure fantasy the supply side cliche can't be let to run we need higher land taxes to encourage all those lazy landlords to put their properties onto the market all right my name's carl fitzgerald check out our work at prosper.org.au earthsharing.org.au we're on facebook we're on twitter say hello at renegades at earthsharing.org.au